Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Would you take your Bibles this morning and join with me to Joshua chapter 1. Again, welcome those who are visiting with us today. Joshua chapter 1. And I'm going to be reading in verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' aid. Here's what God said, verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Father in heaven, we just bow our hearts and ask that God help us to understand the words that were written, why they were written, and how they relate to us today from the book of Joshua. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I think the single greatest purpose of body of Christ gathering together as being the extension of Jesus to this world is to understand that God, what he's provided, we need to take our position, our part to see that fulfillment. So God has made a way and then, but it requires my choice. It requires me to say yes to what he is asking. And in that there, so in other words, many times as believers, followers of Jesus, Or maybe you are a seeker trying to find the truth. And too many times I find we stop short of the finish line. That in our pursuit we may not fully grasp all that he is wanting to do in us and through us. There's a number of books in the Bible and a number of characters that really exemplify that God wants to complete what he starts. He doesn't want sometimes we just... In the book of Nehemiah is a great example. Again, I always say this, one of my favorite books. Nehemiah, written after the guy Nehemiah, and he was a cupbearer to the king. He, he sipped the drink before the king got it because if somebody was going to poison the king, they needed to find out before it got to the king. So he would sip, you know, <laughs> cupbearer would die, but long live the king, right? So... That's what his occupation was. I wouldn't take that no matter what the pay was. Because if your king has a few enemies, I don't want to be the first one to figure that out. Uh, That was his job. But then he saw a need. And the children of God had been brought back into their land. And they were to occupy. They were to build up the the land again. They were to be an indigenous people or be a people indigenous of that land for, for that time. And they weren't doing it. And in the time of Nehemiah, Nehemiah was taking a look and here was all this destruction and they were not rising up to the moment. And Nehemiah felt the nudge of the Holy Spirit to lead the people to build the land back up. Again, they needed to possess what they had already inherited. I think of another person. It's a prophet. His name was Elisha. And Elisha, he was a farmer. And while he was farming, God spoke to him and said, I want you to be my voice to these people. Now, Elisha did 
No half-hearted measure. He got up and he sold everything he had. He got rid of everything he had and he fully committed himself. And if you study Elisha, if you realize if there's one thing that irritated him the most was half-hearted commitment because Elisha gave it his everything. I look at another one, we Gideon and the study of Gideon. Here Gideon, he was... Uh, he was stomping on the grapes in the wine press. Now, I've never done it, and I'll be honest, I don't think I ever want to do it, but have you seen that done? Or have any of you done it? You know, you get a great big tub, and you get the grapes, you put the grapes in the tub, and then you take off your shoes and socks, and I pray you wash your feet, and you get inside, and you start stomping on all the grapes so that you squeeze out all the grapes. And I've seen that done, and it just looks horrible. That's what he was doing. Gideon was doing that, and God said, Gideon, you mighty man of war. And he's stomping on grapes. If this has to be the funniest thing, he's stomping on a bunch of grapes, and God says, Gideon, you mighty man of war. Juice coming up between his toes. No evidence that there was a mighty man of war there, but God spoke that into him and said, Gideon, arise, get up. There's a battle to be conquered, and you're leading it. And Gideon went from a grape stomper to a great warrior. Read the story. It's amazing. Over and over and over in Scripture, we have incidents where this was taking place. People were rising up to the calling that God, God had called them to. And so this is the story. Picks it up in Joshua chapter 1. The portion we just read. It's the story of Joshua. And... Uh, it's about, and the topic I'm going to talk today, I'm going to talk next week, just a two-part, how to possess your inheritance. There's a difference between having an inheritance and possessing it. There's a difference between somebody giving you a check and you cashing it. And there are, you have, all of us, I'm going to, me too, we have more in what God has provided than we are presently experiencing. I can safely say that. God has more for you than what you're presently experiencing. What will it take you to possess that? You have an inheritance, but what will it take you to possess? This is really the story of Joshua. So let me start with an illustration. It's good to see a newly married couple here with us because back in 1984, October the 20th, Lori and I walked down the aisle. We looked into each other's eyes, took each other's hands, made a commitment to each other of our own self for life. And we exchanged rings as a symbol of that commitment. There 150 people were together. We afterward ate together, told stories, went on a honeymoon, short honeymoon. Eight days later, back from the honeymoon, we went back to both our places. We lived only seven miles apart from each other, our families. Loaded up my dad's Ford pickup truck, his Ford Explorer. Loaded, that's all we had. We loaded into the back of the pickup truck, drove for two and a half hours to our new home. I can't say I remember it like yesterday, but I do remember it. And we got to our new little cottage that we lived in that was heated by a space heater in the middle of the cottage. I was the new, brand new youth pastor of the church. 
A big church of about 25 to 30 people. You'd say, well, why do they need a youth pastor? <laughs> that was what I wondered too. But I was the youth pastor and I didn't get any pay. The pay was they gave me the house, which was pretty good. Um, and Lori, she was really the one who carried us for those years. And she worked as a worker in Tender Tootsie's factory. And she basically paid the bills. I gave her the house. Seven years we lived there in that community. Um, I was only youth pastor for about six months, and then uh, they asked me to be the pastor. And then I would pastor that for the next six and a half years. Then when we left there to our next community, we couldn't fit all our stuff into back of a pickup truck. It had grown. Funny how that happens. It had grown. So now we had to rent a cube truck. And we packed the cube truck. And I remember that I do remember the packing of the cube truck. I proceeded to, I, re, I really wanted to be proactive in the packing. I utilized every available space in my packing. We got a bunch of boxes, load, you know, got the boxes. And so everything, just this into the box, what, that into the box, this into the box, that into the box. Our dressers, you know, fill every drawer full. And I mean, that's, that's good packing, right? So I really stepped up to it and packed. Jammed it in. Every box I could find, jammed with whatever I could reach to get into that box. Here's the problem. I had absolutely no system to my packing. I've learned since. My task was to get from point A to point B and get everything jammed in. That was my task. It was very simple. I had a very simple goal. But to Lori's dismay, we are still finding stuff that I packed back then. Tracking with me here? It was horrible. We couldn't find hardly anything that I packed because who knows where it was? And we're still finding it. And I'm convinced even into our retirement, we're going to be, oh, I remember this. You know, I wondered where that went. And of course, the idea, if you haven't used it since, I guess you really don't need it. But it's there somewhere still tucked away. Here's the point. Although a person can move into a home in a half a day, it can take years before they actually possess it. Hmm. Possession has to do with gaining a grasp of. Possession has to do with use of what has already been provided. And in the book of Joshua, it's all about securing God's full will for my future. God desires that you and I gain a practical hold of all his purpose for us. It's possessing what we've already inherited. Hmm. How many want that? You want that from God? You want all that he has for you or not? Some don't. Some are afraid what that might look like. But the desire that God wants to give you all the inheritance that you would possess it. So his name is Joshua. He comes after Moses. And I invite you, if you haven't had a recent reading of the book of Joshua, maybe this week, go ahead, read the book of Joshua. It's a great book. I love the book of Joshua. You won't be bored. It'll carry you through. It is action-packed. And so it's a book like, guys, men, you can read Joshua. You'll like Joshua. Joshua's name originally is Hosea, meaning salvation. But Moses decided he would change it to Eshua. Yahweh is salvation. Eshua is the same name as Jesus. So Jesus' name is Joshua. Joshua's name, same, same name as Jesus. 
So Eshua, and the reason that this is important, although Joshua was a great leader, God was calling him to recognize who the actual conqueror was. The conqueror is God. So Yahweh is salvation, Eshua. So his name was changed. And then Joshua was faced with a very difficult situation. He is called to lead a nation that is probably the most unpleasant nation ever into their inheritance. Moses failed. Moses is a big guy. Moses, his shoes, who can fill his shoes? Probably nobody. Moses is probably the most quoted or story told of the Old Testament ever. Moses. So now Joshua has to follow Moses. Joshua has to do what Moses couldn't do. And this, I'm sure, scared the Jehebis out of Joshua as to how do I do this? It's a daunting task to now inherit the land. If Moses couldn't do it, how do you possess that land that God had given you? And so I, let me use an illustration. I read of a story, uh, a young boy and the struggle he had in life. This young boy began grade school, and, and when he was in grade school, the family had a police officer friend. And the boy really looked up to that police officer and dreamed one day he would become a police officer. And then before he knew it, they moved. They moved to another community. And when he was in school, he joined the swim team and he really enjoyed swimming. So now his new dream was he wanted to be captain of the swim team. And then they moved. So he joined the basketball team in the new school and he played basketball and he was pretty decent at it. And he really saw himself moving up the line and being uh, a strong, uh, great basketball player. And guess what happened? They moved. His life consisted of always starting over. Now, some of you here can relate maybe to that. Always moving. Always moving. And maybe you can relate to the disappointments. The disappointments that he had a dream, pulled from him. Had another dream, pulled from him. He could never seem to establish himself. So many times in our lives, our lives consist of memories of what might have been, if only. If only my parents hadn't moved. If only this death hadn't taken place. If only I hadn't gotten sick. If only I hadn't been thrust into this other school. And there's a pile of disappointments in life. This is where God meets Joshua. In the middle of a disappointment. And might I suggest disappointment seems like setbacks? Don't look at it that way. Disappointments can be God's next step to acceleration, to possession of what God has for you. It's frequently in the disappointments. We gathered together in pre-service prayers, the volunteers, and we went to Isaiah chapter 6. And in Isaiah chapter 6, the very first verse, it says, In the year that Uzziah died, King Uzziah, he saw the Lord high and lifted up. It was in the year of one of his, he was good friends with King Uzziah. And in the year Uzziah died, Isaiah had a God encounter. A God encounter that was absolutely amazing. You see, it's in the midst of disappointments. Frequently, the Spirit of God will visit you and say, now's the time to possess it. So we want to make excuses in our disappointments. But God says, don't quit. Stop it. <laughs> this, is not, this is the time. So if you're living in a time, so here's what we took as Cornerstone Church 
when we entered into the pandemic, and we were a few months into the pandemic, and realized this is going to be deeper than we could ever imagine, broader than we could ever picture. This is going to have effects that are going to boggle our minds down the road. As I shared yesterday in a meeting I was in, the pandemic is the greatest and most devastating change the church has faced since World War II has been the pandemic. And as we started into that, we looked at it. Are we going to start to play defense? Are we simply going to go back on our heels and say, God, just help us to get through? Or could this be like maybe a Joshua moment? Or maybe God is saying, in the midst of our unknowns and fears and anxieties, what's going to be next and what's going to be next? And I don't like this and I don't know where it's going. And all the things that begin to unravel with this. Or maybe God is saying, now cornerstone. Possess what I've got for you. Step out beyond what you were and be what you can be. Can we believe that together? That in the midst of disappointment, God is saying, this is the time to possess the inheritance? Because that was true. And it started off with that little phrase, Moses, my servant, is dead. Again, Moses is a big person. God knew that the shadows of yesterday, the disappointments that are maybe even right now, the letdowns often block the sunlight of our tomorrow. He starts off Joshua chapter 1. Moses, my servant, is dead. He acknowledges it. He's not going to ignore the elephant in the room. Moses just died. He's gone. Predecessors, situations of past can stop your possession of your inheritance. That's where we have to start today. My first point is this. Although God wants to free us into our inheritance, he will not allow us to blame yesterday. And if Joshua is going to lead these disgruntled million-plus people into a land that they've been promised way back centuries before to Abraham, if he was going to be successful in doing it, number one, number one, you've got to let go of your past. Because your past, good or bad, will tether you and keep you from your possession. I've seen it over and over again where people have never stepped into the potential because they're still living back of yesterday. I don't think it was coincidental in my own personal life that the greatest year that God accelerated our ministry was 1990. And it was the year my own father died. The family business came to a halt. Everything stopped. And my own father, 1990. And I look back, and I have more remembrances of God's unfolding purpose in my life in the year 1990. In a time, it just wasn't the death of a father. There was a number of things all lined up in order to debunk and derail us and cause us to step away from what we were called to do. And I go back, and I see that now in 1990, and I recognize that that is a period of time that, if you would, God was saying, you've got to let the past go now so that you can enter into your tomorrow. So here's my question for you this morning. Is there something holding you back? Are you comparing yourself to something? Mother, father, maybe it's the death of a husband or wife that has stalled you out. Just, I can't go on. This person has passed away. I it stops. And I want to suggest God is speaking, saying, listen, yesterday's gone. If you're going to possess your inheritance, you've got to let go of that. 
You've got to get out from under the shadow of whatever that is. Maybe it was an intimidation factor. Maybe there was a tragedy. Maybe there was uh, something that just for whatever reason stopped you in your tracks. Maybe you were offended. Maybe there was a bad situation that broke your heart. But yesterday's gone. Moses, my servant, is dead. Quit blaming the inability to possess what God has for you today on that. God won't have it. God won't have it. Wow, it's gone. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Great verse, isn't that? Note that part. All things have passed away. If you're a child of God, the old is gone. And behold, that word behold means be alerted. It reminds me, did you have your phones go off a couple nights ago in the middle of the night at 2 o'clock? Alert. To me, that's a behold. That's a behold. You know, uh, 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 you're waking up and you're thinking it's the fire alarm. You know, you're ready to run out of the house. It's a fire alarm. It's just your phone. And behold, behold, all things have become new. All things have become new. Uh, To receive what God has laid up for you in your today and tomorrows, we have to come to terms with our past. Point number two continues on, last part of this verse. Now, therefore, arise. Moses, my servant, is dead. Past, let go, let go, let go, Joshua. Now, now, arise. Get up. Get up, he says. He says, with the past in perspective, tomorrow is going to always be brighter. And really, the question that faces us from God is can I possess all that God has promised? Or will I simply have to settle for a small corner of my potential inheritance? Can I truly possess what God has planned for each one of us? Or just a small corner? And the answer lies in your response to get up. That's my job, that's your job. Now Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. You had no no part of that. But you, you got to get up. You got to take a step forward. You got to lean into this. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. It's the attitude of the heart. Yes, Lord. In a few moments, I invite all of you, young, old, new, not so new, uh, old in the faith, new in the faith, I invite you as we move into the next two weeks' ministry fair, when you walk out those double doors at the back, arise. Lean into. How can I get involved? What can I do to just make a difference in someone else's life? You know, the old, I want you to finish this. It is more blessed to, than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to be given. You know, that's true. Now, I'm sure if I ask the little tykes, they might answer differently. But for us adults, what joy it is, is when we give a blessing to someone else. It, it really does trump the joy we receive when we receive something. And it is more blessed to serve. The third thing is, is how do we do it? He goes on, verse 6. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong, be very courageous. Be strong, be courageous. My children went to a Christian school for part of their lives in the city of London. And there was a song that they sang, and I was going around, I think, was it this morning or last night, Laurie? 
Yeah, last night. And I was going, be strong, be bold for the Lord your God is with you. I'm not. And, and then I even, and I, Lori, I do this at home. My microphone is here, right? I'm a wannabe, you know, singer. And so my mic, be bold, be strong for the, and then Lori, Lori finishes it up off for me, right? We just kind of had that. Our kids learned that. It was their theme song. Be bold, be strong for the Lord your God is with you. I am not afraid. No, no. They would do this. No, no, no. I am not ashamed. No, no. I'm walking in faith and victory. And we start doing that little walk. I didn't plan to sing that. What a great song. This is what God was saying. This is where it comes from. Three times. Three times he said it to Joshua. Joshua. Now, if he's, God doesn't repeat because he, he doesn't repeat himself because he wants to hear himself. He repeats himself because we have to hear it repeated. And so he says something, we kind of go, oh, yeah, yeah. And then he says it again, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He says it again, okay, 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 stop repeating it. Be strong. Be courageous. So that means probably Joshua struggled in that area if he had to repeat it so many times. And I suggest he's probably had to repeat it many times to you and I. Put your name there. Be strong. Be courageous. For I go with you. And then again, be strong. And over and over he would say it. Be strong and courageous. Be strong. This is, and, and it's interesting, those two words, strong and courageous. The word strong, the original Hebrew meaning means to fasten upon or to seize. The word courageous, the original meaning, the word is uh, in Hebrew, amat. It means to be alert, steadfast minded, established. Put the words together. It has to do with a calculated strength that is brute and ongoing. Illustration time. Back to my school days. When I was in school at recess, when we were in grade 7 and grade 8, at recess time, we used to often play football. And it was full body contact tackle football. We had no equipment. It was just like crash into each other, take the person down, okay? That's what we did, a bunch of guys in school. One day, we assigned the teams, and my team were all little guys like me. And the other team had all the big ones. And sure enough, we were in trouble. They were creaming us. Now, the way it worked when we were assigning this, that it was our turn to pick the next guy who showed up. He would be added to our team. This is over the lunch hour. The next guy showed up. So guess who walked through the gate coming back from lunch? Ron Woods. He had been held back one year. So that means he's bigger than the rest of us. But he's significantly bigger than the rest of us. He's bigger. He's stronger. He's faster. You don't mess with Ron Woods. Lori knows who I'm talking about. He was on our team. So, no brainer. What do we do? Snap the ball, hand it to Ron. He was like a tornado. He ran over everybody, touchdown. Next time we got the ball, snap the ball, give it to Ron. He ran over everybody and got it. We won. And we all celebrated when the bell rang and we ran inside. We all celebrated. We beat you, we beat you. But we all knew it wasn't us. It was Ron. I use that illustration because that's what God was showing here. Joshua, you're going to get to celebrate this, but it's me. It's God. Never lose sight of that. That's why Moses changed his name. Says, not only are you, no, Yahweh is your salvation. God is your strength. 
And so when you enter into your battle, never mistake, it's not your strength. You have to get up and go. God can't do it for you. But as you go, know that God is your strength. He's your strength. And you are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Why? Not because that you're super powerful, but because God goes with you. And if God is with you, finish it. Who can be against you? If Ron Woods is on our side, it doesn't matter how big you guys are. We win. Because he's big. And he just runs over everybody. And, and I still picture it today. It was not a pretty picture. Just the other guys, when they saw him come on and he was on our team, normally he wouldn't play bat, football, but he decided to play that day. And, and I could just see in their eyes, they might as well just sit down and, and just forfeit the game. Because they're going to go in after recess with a bunch of bruises. Because that's just the way it works. And the rest of us, man, we wouldn't even break a sweat from there on in. We just pass it to Ron. So is our God. And he is the one who brings the victory. Three times he says, be strong, be strong, be strong. Trust in me. I will come through for you. Verse 6, he says, be strong and of good courage because there's an inheritance possessed. Verse 7, be strong and of good courage because there's always a temptation to turn aside. Verse 9, be strong and of good courage because fear will bring forgetfulness that God's promise is still with you. Fear has an amazing way to do that. It dismantles God's promise. Psalms 33, verse 9, it says, God spoke and it came to be. He commands and it stands firm. God is able. And so if God says, Wayne, you can do this, then Wayne, you can do it. Put your name, if God says, you can be the person who possesses the inheritance that I have for you, you can have the fullness of that inheritance, not a little corner, not a little cubbyhole, but all that God wants for you then why is it we're settling for that little closet? Why is it we're settling for that little spot? When God says, listen, I have something that only through you there can be a conquering. Put your trust in me. And sometimes we just need to get a hold of who God is again. He declares himself as the great I am. This would be a great time to sing that song, the great I am. It's a great song because it talks about who he is. And there's so many things of who God is. And I, I just pulled, these are all scriptural ones. The I am. That I am assured that all things work together for good to those who are in Christ. We know that because of the I am, I cannot be separated from God. We know that because of the I am, I am secure in Jesus who began a work in me. And he will, he will complete it. I am no longer under fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Because of the I am, every need before me, his grace and mercy will meet. I am intertwined to Christ as a branch in the vine. Because of the I am, good fruit will follow me all the days of my life. Because of the I am, my family will see the hope of salvation through me. Because of the great I am, my workplace will, be, will see Jesus by my godly example. Because of the great I am, my health is my ability to honor my God and parents. I am able to have godly wisdom and the mysteries of heaven revealed in me. I am full of the very presence of God that filled the tabernacle and filled the temple of old. I am able to find freedom over every work of darkness and flesh. I am pure. I am spotless before God. I am joined spiritually with those who've gone before me who have served in the name of Jesus Christ. We need to know that we are on the team of the great I am. There's a movie that came out two years ago 
by the Alex Kendrick brothers, Christian brothers, and is called Overcomer. Has anybody seen that movie, Overcomer? Okay, a number of you have. I think it's on Netflix. And just a couple of weeks ago, Lori and I watched it, Overcomer. Great movie. Uh, and in that movie, this young gal who would become an overcomer. She had everything going against her, but she would be an overcomer. I don't want to give the movie away, so you have to go and watch it yourself. Except this part. That she comes to Christ in this movie. And a mentor, a discipler, gave her this one thing to do. She told this girl who gave her heart to, the Christ, to Christ, she said, go home and look up, and gave her Bible, look up the book Ephesians and read the first two chapters, get a piece of paper, and divide columns. And in the column, write down of what God has provided for you because of your decision to follow Jesus, who you are in him. Begin to write it down. And so she did that. And I've never done that exercise, but I, I've looked at it since. And I thought, I'm going to use that in the future. When people come to Christ, I'm going to give the same advice. It's a great first two chapters of Ephesians. Who am I in Christ? And she began to write down. And as she did, faith in her rose up. And strength rose up in her. So that she knew she could possess her inheritance. Let me take you to the last one. Um, oh, I, I got one more illustration. Can you handle one more family illustration? If you can't, sorry. A little boy in my home. I'm the youngest of three. My sister, my older sister, her and I had um, sibling rivalry. I was going to say healthy. So it wasn't healthy. Okay. I conv I'm convinced all my conflict resolution was learned through her. And I didn't, and it wasn't learned but through a lot of pain. We, we, we argued a lot, okay? We, we, we were just oil and water. We didn't mix well. Her and I are best friends today, but back then, oh my goodness. So, so bad was the conflict between us and sibling rivalry that my parents had to establish a city of refuge. It was a safe place, and it was our bedroom. So here was the deal. If you could escape to your bedroom, <laughs> the other one could not go past the threshold of the door, or could they say anything to you from the door? So they couldn't yell at you from the door. So if you got into your bedroom, the little skirmish is over. So I couldn't go into her bedroom. She couldn't go into my bedroom. Okay? Sounds good. Here's the really interesting thing. There were occasions, however, that my mother or father needed something from her room. And they gave me permission, mom or dad would give me permission to go into her room to get it. It made no difference what my sister said. It made no difference of all the threats she threatened me with. I was protected. Why was I protected? Mom and dad gave me the authority. I was protected. For that one instant, I was protected. I would march into her room with the nerve of a thousand mules and take what they had told me to take. Okay? Listen, beloved, listen to this morning. God has given you that same authority and you need to march into the room, into the occupation of the enemy of your soul that wants to inhibit what God has for you. Possess your inheritance with the nerve of a thousand mules. Take back what the enemy has stolen. 
Take what he is granting for the child of God to see people's lives transformed because of him working through you, because you are strong. Be courageous. God goes with you. So, let me take you to the last one. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. God says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Number four, fear will bring forgetfulness of God's promise and presence. Fear is your enemy. Fear is your enemy. Don't succumb to fear. It will cause you to forget how great God really is. In this time that we live in, there's a lot of fear. And I'm a little concerned that maybe some of us are forgetting God's faithfulness. God's promises are still true today. God's goodness is still today. This is a great day to possess the inheritance for God. So, Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say in response to all these things? If God is for us, finish it. Who can be against us? So, let's finish it. Four points. Moses, my servant, is dead. Got to let the past go. Don't live under the shadow of that anymore. You need to determine that. In the moment I'm going to pray, and if there's something that came to your mind that might be a shadow, would you just surrender it? And no longer let that be a hindrance to tomorrow. Moses, my servant, is dead. Second part, now, therefore, get up. Do something. Faith is never inactive. Faith is an action word. If you say you have faith but you do nothing, you actually don't have faith. If you say you have faith but you do something, ah, that's faith. Faith is proven by her actions. So now, Joshua, you're not going to sit there thinking about the promised land. You've done that for 40 years. Today's the day. Get up. Start going into the promised land. It's yours. So now, therefore, arise. Here it is. Be strong and courageous. Everything you need, you have. There's nothing more. Because remember who the conqueror is? No, it's not Ron Woods. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. He's the conqueror. Beware of fear. Fear will get you off the tracks. Don't succumb to fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but what? Power, love, sound mind. Be strong. Be courageous. For the Lord your God is with you. Would you join me in standing? In a few moments, we're going to open the back doors. You get to go. I do invite you to stop by some of the tables just for a few minutes. Uh, participate. But it all starts right here. It starts right here. Possess your inheritance. Let's possess it. And so let's pray. I'm going to pray these three things over you. So Father, we come before you in thanksgiving. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the message this morning. Thank you that God, through the picture you have given us about Joshua, is the picture now for us. That Moses, my servant, is dead. So Lord, whatever is holding us back, whatever we are under the shadow of, and Lord, I pray right now, whatever is coming to the mind of your children right here this morning in this place or online, God, bring to our minds what that shadow might be, who it is, or maybe there's a hurt or a wound or an unforgiveness. But Lord, whatever that shadow is, Lord, today we hear what you're saying. We're to say it's gone. 
that, Lord, that won't hold me back. That's not going to hold me back to what you've got planned. And so, Lord, we just say, yes, we move forward. Now, therefore, arise. And so, Lord, I pray that there would be movement in our faith. We won't wait for someone else. We will say, God, let me. Let me do it. I want to do something for your kingdom. I want to be a conqueror for you. Lord, we also receive to ourselves to be strong and courageous. Lord, that we are more than conquerors. And God, I come against every fear, everything that is rolling through our heads right now saying, well, here's why I can't do that. Lord, I come against that in Jesus' name. Lord, if you are for us, who can be against us? And so, Lord, we go in your strength, not my strength. We go in your strength. And when we do, we will possess all the plans and purposes you have for our lives. We say yes to you in Jesus' name. And if that is your prayer, would you say amen? Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.